Blog Talk Radio. Bringing you excellent entertainment from the king of DC media. Here's the Inside Acting Radio Show. going on, my dear listeners? It is I, William Powell, the king of DC media. Thanks, everybody, for tuning into the show. Inside Acting is brought to you by DC Actors Examiner, a great resource of acting knowledge. Find it via Google. Tonight is a special telephone episode of the Inside Acting radio show. We are raising money for the film noir or black film entitled Greed, which will be directed by DC's own Richard Brown. He'll be on in a minute, but first let me give a quick shout-out to musician and actor Chris Braxton of Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Go to Facebook and find his handle, Chris R. Braxton, with an X, and like his page. And he said that uh, when he gets 500 likes, uh, Mr. Braxton will premiere his first single. Yes, indeed. Now, getting back to uh, Richard Brown's film, Greed, we're going to be taking pledges throughout the night. So to do so, here's what we need you to do. We need you to dial 347-884-8997. That's 347-884-8997. Eight nine nine seven to pledge, and after you do that, you will go to GoFundMe.com. That's www.GoFundMe.com forward slash, and the handle there is CBQ, uh, the letter I, the number five, and the letter K. So that's CBQ. The letter I, the number five, and K. So I see Richard has. Uh, is Dow in? So let me bring him on in. Good evening. Good evening, Richard. Hey, how you doing? Great, great, great. Thanks for for uh, coming on the show. Are you excited? I am very excited, Will. I mean, it's just um, it's been uh, about ten months of hard work promoting this film, and I can't wait to get started in May. Absolutely, absolutely. So tell me about greed and why folks should support it. Well, I mean, it's one of those old-fashioned style film noir films like those ones in the 40s and 50s that had great plots, great acting, and great camera work. And this film features a lot of prominent talents in the DMV area, not just actors, but also crewmen, musicians, and artists. Okay, okay. So uh, so talk about some of the perks, some of the perks that the donors will get. Well, I mean, it really, it all depends on the amount you uh, contribute. I mean, a lot of the perks include, you know, DVD copies, Blu-ray copies. You get a donation credit in the credits or an executive producer credit. There's also an autographed poster you get as one of the perks for one of the donations. There's an autographed script copy. And there's also an invitation to come to the set and see filming. Okay. Yeah, Richard, man, I'm having, uh, you're kind of coming in kind of fuzzy. Kind of, you might want to have to speak up a little bit. Um, so let me ask you a little bit more about that. Now, this one part, man, it excited me, this thing about uh, uh, there's a, what is it, a platinum package, and you can actually write a limo. There's a gold and platinum. Tell me a little bit more about that. Well, the um, the platinum level is a $2,500 contribution credit and basically what that includes is an executive producer credit an invitation to the casting to actor party and then all the other benefits from the previous contributions like the dvd copy the blu-ray copy um a credit an online thank you and also on vip seating at the premiere all right all right so how do you define film noir what does that mean what does that really mean I mean, film noir is really a—it's really an artistic film form. Really, it's a lot of different lighting schemes, and you know, it's basically black and white. There's also neo noir, which is more color. I mean, the basic, you know, thing about film noir is the shadowy effect, and that's usually done to, you know, portray, you know, somebody in silhouette. You know, a 
a, like something like dramatic is about to happen in the scene. Like in Touch of Evil, they used a lot of shadowy techniques for um, Orson Welles before he would come in and um, execute somebody. They would show a shadowy effect um, of Charlton Heston and I believe it was Vera Miles and Silhouette before they came on screen. Now, how does this film compare to films like uh, like Sunset Boulevard, uh, Double Indemnity, those kind of films? I mean, it has pretty much the same plot paradigm. It has a lot of dramatic um, story arcs in it. Um, you know, and sort of like Double Indemnity, you know, the husband is plotting to murder his wife for basically family money. And usually those old style of noir plots, you know, really, you know, show all these dramatic arcs. And, you know, and then basically it's all about the suspense. That's really what made, that's what makes this film, you know, really great as far as plot vernacular. And that's what was so prominent in movies like Double Indemnity and Sunset Boulevard. Okay. And talking a little bit more, man, about your, your two main characters, Tom and Leslie, and uh, what, what they get involved in, and a little bit more about the plot. Well, I mean, you know, Tom is an alcoholic husband. You know, he's, he hits the bottle a lot. He's also a womanizer. You know, he cheats around. And, you know, he's of the opinion that he's always right. You know, he, he believes that he can do no wrong, that, you know, his wife is the one that's really responsible for all this. And, um, you know, Leslie Casey is sort of the complete opposite. You know, she's very honest. You know, she's the one that the audience is going to identify with because she's been putting up with this abuse for years and years and years. And, you know... Right away, the audience is going to dislike Tom Casey's character. There's going to be no sympathy for him. And really, the, the plot <laughs> is he's very greedy, and he he really he wants to get out of this marriage. And at first, he's not so sure he wants to go through with, with, with her murder. But then, you know, there are some things that happen in the film that basically force his hand. And also, the female lawyer that he's having an affair with sort of convinces him to move into that. Hmm. All right. Okay, so we're going to go ahead and uh, have a quick shout-out, Richard, to our listeners out there. So listeners out there, I repeat, I repeat, please call and play that 347-884.8997. That's 347-884-8997. And the GoFundMe page is www.gofundme.com forward slash cbq. I, the number five, and the letter K. That's C-B-Q-I-5-K. Okay, so Richard, talk a little bit more about um, what this, the, the funds that are going to be coming in, what's it going to cover? What's some of the expenses you have as a filmmaker on this film? Well, I mean, you know, obviously, you know, making a film is a lot of money. You know, there's a lot of different expenses that go into it. You know, there's, uh, you got to pay take care of the actors. you got to pay the actors. You know, the production crew costs money, you know, renting locations, insurance, craft services, um, you know, there's other expenses that arise, props, um, you know, if, if the film is union, you know, there, there, there's union rates you got to pay. I mean, obviously this film is in union, but, um, you know, advertising, advertising is a big part of this film. And, uh, you know, there's just other expenses that come up at last minute, and you usually want to have, you know, money set aside to cover those expenses that come up at last minute. That's right. That's right. Yeah, let's let me shout out to the listeners again. Um, so, uh, so Richard's budget is seven thousand dollars, of which he has uh, raised uh, fifteen hundred and sixty. So we got fifty four forty to go, folks. So I know we can make it. I know we can make it. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So now, uh, Richard, talk a little bit about uh, your your distribution plan for the film. I mean, right now the plan is to market it in the film festivals, you know, first starting off in the DMV film market and then branching out to more on the eastern shore like, you know, Delaware, Virginia. Um, The film industry in South Carolina is really big. I mean, really kind of attacking the East Coast first. And then once it starts building buzz, we move out to the bigger markets like New York, L.A. You know, I believe that Sundance Film Festival is in Utah. And then once that clears festival waivers, then we start going into – the actual release, um, and then once that is completed, then we start moving into Netflix or Amazon. I mean, it's really we're taking it one step at a time as far as distribution goes. Okay, 
All right. Now, I, I want you to get into the cast. You have a fantastic cast. Uh, talk about them. Well, I mean, the, the star of the film is James Dabinger. You know, I've worked with him a few times. He's a fantastic actor. You know, uh, he just did a film um, called The Quiet Field where he plays a World War II person. You know, he's in um, a film called Boundary that's being directed by Anthony Fox. Uh, you know, he's done a lot of work with Sirens Media. Um, and he really... What what he does so well is he can he, he can portray those dual characters on screen. You know, one of those characters where you know you can act you know all innocent starting off, and then you can flip to somebody who's really you know angry and demeaning and all that. Um, Nina Fowler plays Leslie Case. You know, I've worked with her before. She's a fantastic actress. You know, she's done work on you know films like The Lonesome Trail. Um, and Sicklers, and, you know, she's worked with Sirens Media as well. And she, what she does so well is she portrays that, you know, kind of like a, a toughness to it. And that's what Leslie's character is all about. And then there's um, Megan Caulfield, um, who I'm really excited for. Um, she's playing um, Emily Patton, the lawyer. And, you know, and she had a fantastic audition. You know, she, she does, she portrays, the character really well, and she kind of has that, you know, that that charm, that sexiness to it. And then right. Richard, i got to cut you off. i got to cut you off. we got a caller uh, on the line here, so let's see who's on the line. Good evening. Who's on the line? Uh, this is Michael Patterson. Okay. All right, Michael. Thanks for calling the show. All right. Say hello to Richard. How you doing, Richard? This is Mike. Hey, Mike. How you doing? How you doing? Okay. Very good, very good. Okay, so, um, oh, now you're actually uh, a seated to one of the cast members. Uh, so who do you play? I think we've got a bad connection. Hello? Mike, you there? Hello? Hello? <laughs> <He's still there. laughs> I'm sorry about that. I play Gavin oh. Hutch, P.I., uh, uh, who investigates uh, uh, throughout the uh, throughout the film? Uh, I don't want to give too much away, but I uh, play the, the uh, character of Galvin Hutch. Okay, all right, very good, very good. So describe the uh, the audition process. Uh, for me or from Richard? <laughs> yeah, for you. Yeah. Oh, uh, the audition process. Uh, it was. Uh, Straightforward. I uh, went in there, auditioned for the role, and then uh, Richard's approach after I had auditioned the first time, he gave me some, you know, critique, and um, then I went ahead and basically uh, went forward with the auditioning and uh, left out and uh, found out, you know, a couple of weeks later that, hey, I, I landed the role. And um, so I'm very, very uh, fortunate to be a part of Richard's uh, film. I can't wait. Oh, great, great. Yeah, whether, whether uh, films and uh, theater and uh, other projects you've done recently? Uh, yes, I have. Um, I've uh, recently, uh, I was in The Rangers uh, by Ron Newcomb. Um, I've done a lot of theater. Um, I was recently in Bound and Gag by Shannon Wren. I played the lead role as a domestic uh, uh, abuser. I was an abuser in that uh, role, and I chased Alexander, and he was a monster. I played that role. Um, let's see. I played in Snake River Heist um, as a basically a commando in a short film that we had uh, just uh, finished uh, uh, basically showing at the DC Film Festival, the Independent DC Film Festival, uh, last weekend or two weekends ago, I think. Um and some others as well. I don't want to take up too much of your time, but um, I've been in film for the last three years. Yeah, that's that's excellent, man. It sounds like you're keeping busy, Michael. I am, yes. I am. <laughs> yeah, and then, uh, Richard, I guess I'm going to uh, put you on the spot. So what's some of the things you look for in actors? I mean, what I look for in actors is versatility, you know, ones that can play, you know, a lot of different characters and ones that can really take the role, absorb it, and then go out there on the film set and really perform it well. And also, you know, actors that are going to have a lot of fun on set. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, you know, if you don't, if you don't have fun, you know, 
doing a role, then, you know, it, it really doesn't, you know, fuel your passion. And, um, you know, it, it, that is one of the most important things I look for in the actor. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Okay, Michael, uh, well, we're just going to ask you, man, make sure that you, of course, uh, spread the word about uh, Greed. Uh, you know, we have the uh, the URL out there. Uh, of course, you know it. Uh, it's uh, GoFundMe.com. And uh, as I've said several times tonight, uh, again, folks, our handle there is uh, CBQ, uh, the letter I, uh, the number five, MK. Okay, Michael Haywell, thanks for calling in. Thank you. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. Okay, folks, again, the number is 347-884-8997 to call in and uh, make a pledge. So let's see. Let's see where we were. So, Richard, yeah, you were talking about the cast uh, right before Michael called in. Called in. So uh, I know there were some more cast members. Uh, I know uh, a man, uh, Ryan, uh, Ryan Beckwith, was uh, part of your cast. Now, who does he play in this show? He plays the bartender, and, you know, he's he, he's one of those guys that runs an honest establishment. And, you know, he's very, you know, you know defensive about his bar. Like, if you screw around in his bar, he's going to kick you out. He's one of those old-fashioned, you know, guys that, you know, if you screw around his bar, he's going to, you know, come out, pump a shotgun and say, get out of here. And, um, you know, he basically, he, he warns, the, the lead character is an alcoholic, and, you know, he's been in his bar a few times, and, you know, Lion's character, you know, tells the guy, hey, I don't want any more of this funny business that you're doing here, because last time you were here, you flipped over five tables and scared all my customers to death. So, um, I mean, he had a fantastic audition, really, um, Nailed the role, and I'm really looking forward to working with him. Yeah, Lion, uh, he stays busy in the era. He stays really busy. Okay, then you have, uh see who else you got here. You got uh, Gina, you got Liz Christmas, um, you got Mike Lord. Uh, talk about some of those uh, actors and characters. Uh, Gina, you know, I've actually worked with before, and, you know, she's one of the best people I've ever worked with. Um, and um, really, she was sort of involved with, you know, Green sort of late of last year when um, I first initially announced some of the roles. And um, she has the perfect personality for this role, someone, you know, who uh, is very, um, you know, she feel, she's very dedicated to her job, and, um, you know, anyone who interrupts her during her job, you know, she's going to be like, hey, you know, don't interrupt me while I'm working. Or if there's disgruntled tenants, she's like, hey, guys, you know, everyone's trying to sleep here. You know, let's um, let's tone it down a little bit. And, you know, she did a really great job of that once she got the script and really, you know, knew how to portray the character from the start. Um, Liz Christmas... Um, I met briefly, she was at an event at the building museum, um, and, um, you know, she's worked with a lot of uh, directors that I'm familiar with, and um, she had a great audition, really understood about the female disgruntled tenant, and, um, you know, I can't wait to work with her. And, uh, you know, there's Sam Repshaw's, um, I haven't worked with him before, but, you know, he's another one who had a great audition, and really understands the... Um, you know, the, the 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 tenants are both dual characters. Like, at first, when you see them on screen, you really don't know um, if, you know, at first they're very supportive of each other, and then all of a sudden they flip, and all of a sudden they're going right after each other saying, well, aren't you going to talk to the desk clerk about this? Are you really going to, you know deal with this problem, and, um, you know, both him and Liz, I'm looking forward to working with them. And Mike Ward, um, you know, he's he's done work with directors that I've worked with in the past, you know. He's a really fantastic actor. He has that perfect persona for the security guard, and I I really am looking forward to working with everybody. We've got a great cast, and it's going to be something. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. What filmmakers have inspired you? Um, I would say Steven Spielberg. I mean, I grew up watching him, you know, Indiana Jones, Jaws, E.T. And, and really the, his, the part of his game that um, 
I try to, you know, I try to, you know, I mean, copy is kind of a strong word, but, you know, uh, integrate is, is you, know, you pick the lens. And, you know, and I really like picking the lens for my shot just so I know exactly what kind of shot to execute. You know, he knows a lot about lighting, which is one thing I'm trying to really grasp. And then, of course, Alfred Hitchcock. You know, he's the master of suspense. A lot of, I took a course on in college about Alfred Hitchcock and, um, you know, how about, like, his different tactics about how he, you know, did suspense. And, um, you know, it, it, those are the really the two biggest filmmakers that uh, inspire me. Yeah, you mentioned Hitchcock. Uh, so are we going to see uh, some Richard Brown cameos? <laughs> well, you know, actually, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. Um, I've actually done... Uh, cameos in uh, a lot of my films in the past, so um, I um, I guess I'm going to have to come through on this one, because, you know, I, I've told some people, hey, I might make my Hitchcock appearance, so we'll see what happens. <laughs> and what's your take on uh, cameos? This, you know, there's two ways, there's three, there's three different ways to look at cameos. I mean, you got Tarantino, well, I think it does, he does it just about right. Then you got Tyler Dagon, Tyler Perry, he's like in everything. He has to insist on actually acting in the films and acting in other people's films. Then you have Hitchcock, who is sort of, you might see his dead body floating in the water past the boat or something. You might see him, oh, way in the background. So, we, like, what's your take on that? What, uh, What's your approach on that? I mean, I, I think every director has their signature moment. I mean, you know, Hitchcock made a lot of um, cameos in this film. You know, Tarantino did his. You know, John Glenn always had a pigeon fly. You know, every every director has their signature. And I think it's kind of cool to have a signature. You know, just so people are like, you know, they look at my film and they're like, oh, yeah, that's a Richard Brown film. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, so we're going to... Uh have another uh, shout-out here to all of our listeners out there. 347-884-8997. That's 347-884-8997 to call in and pledge or even just ask a question. And also, uh, if you were too shy to call in, please go to www.gofundme.com, and the handle there is CBQ. I and the number five and the letter K and it's a uh, lowercase letters C B Q I five K. So Richard, you gotta tell me, man, more about uh, Generation Studios. What's some of the projects that are gonna be coming out of Generation Studios? Well, I mean, after Greed, you know, I have a variety of projects that I have um in the works. You know, there's a um I have a mob web series that I'm looking to get a group of writers on. Um you know, there's a comedy short that I have about a kid, you know, he's trying to cover up a, um, an urn he broke. You know, I've got a World War II film that I'm doing. I have another silent film I want to do, and I have a spy film. You know, it's really whatever I write, whatever comes to mind that I like to produce. And usually what I like to do is I like to write, you know, films with, you know, with plot paradigms that really haven't been done before and with a traditional cinematic flavor. You know, because that's one thing that, you know, gets people in the seats in the theater. They want to see something new. They want to see something that has great cinematic flavor to it. Hmm. You mentioned the, the Mafia series and cinematic flavor. Now, you mentioned those two phrases together. I start to think of Sopranos. So what are some of the, your favorite uh, Mafia TV film series, uh, either series or films? What are some of your favorites? Well, I do like The Sopranos. You know, I'm actually uh, on the last season of it. I'm, I'm on the last season of it. Um, you know, and um, I've, I, all, I mean, the, the thing, the funny thing about The Sopranos is I watched random YouTube clips, and I never really quite fully understood the series. My parents were big fans of it, and I started watching it recently, and it's really a well-written series. And um, um, and uh, you know, I like Goodfellas. I think that's a great um, mob story. And then you know. I don't know if this really counts, but, um, you know, analyze this and analyze that. You know, they're, they're, they're comedic, but they still have that mafia kind of flavor to Yeah. Why do you think people like mafia films? Well, I mean, I, I just think, you know, it, like the mob series has been popular since, you know, the 70s. I mean, The Godfather really sort of started. I mean, you, you always have great acting in it. You always have, you know, some suspense in it. You always have action in it. 
you have um, characters that people identify with. I think that's why people really like, you know, mafia stories most of all. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. So the, now you mentioned uh, World War Two. So I know that's been done to death in just so many different ways. So what's what's going to be uh, the Richard Brown take on uh, World War Two? Well, you know, it's actually funny you mentioned that. I did a World War Two film um, back in high school. It's called The Mission, and um, you know, uh, it's about an army captain that gets sent in to rescue a weapon scientist from the, um, from the Axis powers, and uh, you know. I was 17 at the time. I had a $50 budget, so I mean, it was it was my first film. There were there were some you know uh, campy special effects in it, but you know it was sort of a plot that kind of stuck with me. And, you know, and things I couldn't afford to do at the time. Um, really, um, I'm going to reintegrate into the script, and I'm going to really kind of make it sort of like the flavor of those Indiana Jones films and Saving Private Ryan. Sort of bring and, and my goal with that is to sort of bring back the old hero genre that people fell in love with in Star Wars and Indiana Jones. Yeah. I know Indiana Jones is the real uh, kind of the uh, movie serial kind of flavor, you know, that uh, each each film kind of led into the next film, whether it's uh, Indiana Jones or or Star Wars. Yeah, that's... Uh, that's very interesting. So let me talk out to the, give another shout out to the uh, listeners out there. Folks, you can dial in at 347 884 8997. That's 347 884 8997. Folks, if you're too shy to call in, of course, as I have said many, many times, you go to GoFundMe.com, and the handle there is CBQI5. K, the CBQI, the number five, and K. So, what's your, what's some of, uh, some advice you can put out there for uh, young filmmakers? You have to have a plan. You know, um, you know, one thing that I had a problem with early in my career is that I jumped into films too quickly. Um, you know, and uh, I mean, the, my my advice is, you know, take your time, really develop your idea. You know, have, have I mean, I know it sounds cliche, but have a one-year plan, you know, um, so you can, you know, do a promotional video and then put it out on a crowdfunding site and really promote it and get a small army of fans around you. And then that way, when, you know, filming time starts, then you have that excitement. Then you have people that want to, you know, come and work in your film. That's the key. And then to have a special script. I mean, if you have a great script, and you have great actors, and you have a great crew, you're going to have a great film. Absolutely. Um, uh, and I heard you talk about writing. So now you went to Catholic University, came out of there in '09. What's some of the things they taught you there about uh, the art of storytelling? Well, I mean, you know, one thing they, they, they taught about, I, mean, I had a directing uh, teacher that communicate your vision by whatever means necessary. And, you know, that, that really kind of stuck with me, you know, during the course of my career. You know, early on, you know, when I, in my theater classes, you know, I, I always, I sort of thought that performance was always just words on a page. And, you know, my, my directing teacher sort of pushed me to think beyond that. You know, it's, it's not all about words on a page. It's about, you know, performance and what you think the role is going to be in your heart. That's what it's all about. And, and that's one of the lessons I took away from Catholic University and also to take chances. Like, don't simplify things just because, you know, it, it's within your means. You know, try and take a few chances and really do the best you can be. The best you can be. That's uh, a lot of filmmakers don't do that. There's a, especially in Hollywood, you see all of these uh, these pictures that are they're just very, very similar, like the superhero genre. So that's one thing that I don't think you uh, mentioned too much about in the past. So is there a superhero film in your future? I mean, I really don't have one in mind right now. I mean, it's a great genre. I mean, there's a lot of superheroes that are out there, you know, um, you know, Batman, Superman, Aquaman, um, but, you know, it's nothing really that has come to mind. But, I mean, I'm not going to dismiss that. I mean, it really depends on, um, you know, what comes to mind. That's really what it's about. 
Yeah. And, uh, you know, I could see you doing something along the lines of James Bond. I think that uh, the spy genre, I think there's a few things that can be done with the spy genre. Now, I, I saw Skyfall. I thought it was a fantastic film. What's some of your favorite Bond films? Um, I mean, I really like James Bond. I actually um, grew up with it. Um, I, I started. I actually watched my first Bond film when I was six years old, Goldfinger, and um, then I saw <laughs> Thunderbolt. And those really were other films that stuck in my mind. Um, and uh, you know, um, then you know, I saw the Roger Moore films, and then Timothy Dalton. And you know, I really like Daniel Craig. Like, I think he's done a really great job. Um, you know, uh, with Bond and really, um, you know, show, like if Ian Fleming wrote, you know, the Bond book, very hard edge. Like, and I think that Daniel Craig is really starting to bring that back. I agree with that. I, and uh, I think Sean Connery and uh, also Daniel Craig are probably two of the better Bonds. I think uh, Skyfall and, and Goldfinger were, were two of the the greatest ones of all. So let me just have another uh, quick shout-out to our uh, listeners, everybody. Uh, please please dial in and pledge for greed. And the number is 347-884-8997. That's 347-884-8997. So, Richard, what's some of the uh, some of your favorite local independent films here in the, the DMV area that you've seen lately? I really like City of Lost Souls. I thought Jason did a really great, Jason Boston did a really great job um, with that film because he had a great cast. I mean, it was shot very well and, um, you know, everything was really, was done very well on screen. Um, Cassandra Newman is another one I really like. You know, she um, just did Cecily LaRue, um, Vampire Hunter, which is a great series. Um, and then, you know, Manuel Poblete is starting to direct uh, some films. He did a film called Sleeper Cell, and then he collaborated with Alicia Beth Dawson on um, Just Listen. Those are two really great films. Um, and then, you know, um, Christina Harris, you know, she's doing the B League right now, and that's going to be a really great series. Um, and I'm just trying to think of another filmmaker. I mean, no other ones really come come off the top of my head right now. Darren Archer, you know, he just did a film called The Quiet Field, um, and that's gonna and that's a really great film, and he's entering that right now in the festival. Yeah. Now I want to get a little bit technical. So I know that filmmakers, there's I guess there's two ways to make a film, and I've never actually directed a film, but it seems like you would have. There's some directors that have this attitude of they take all the footage down and they try to they, they try to get it right the first time and then there's others that try to focus on on storytelling in the editing room so now, now what are some of the ways that editing is used to tell a story well, I mean it's all about making sure everything is you know cut together you know Alfred Hitchcock did a um, tactic on set called cutting in the camera. He would cut the camera the exact right way so when the editor got it, you know, there wouldn't have to be much work done with it. But, I mean, editing is so important to the film process because at the end of the day, the film has to flush. And, um, you know, there's some great editors here in the area that, um, you know, really bring a story to life when it gets in the cutting room. Yeah, I've heard horror stories about the pre-digital uh, era, well, way back in the day, going like 80 years ago to, uh, almost 80 years ago, to uh, the uh, Gone with the Wind, David O. Selznick, they would sit up in an editing room for just hours on end, hours on, upon hours trying to to edit all of that uh, all that footage. Okay, folks, so uh, make sure that uh, you, uh, if you want to make a pledge, folks, Call us at 347-884-8997. Please pledge and support this fantastic film. Okay, Richard, so uh, I want to kind of switch gears a little bit um, and just kind of delve back into your approach to budgeting. I know you, you said your first film, I think you said you had a budget of 50 whole dollars 
fifty dollars. So I don't know if you can remember exactly how you spent it, but how did, how did that break down? Well, I mean, you know, um, I was in high school. Um, you know, I knew people in my class that had cameras. Um, a lot of the props I actually owned because my grandfather was in the Second World War, and um, I sort of kind of it was sort of kind of a hodgepodge of costumes. Um, you know, I made a uh, prop over two guns out of styrofoam and paint, and um, you know, um, things are real. I mean, it was. I, I was just very fortunate to have a good group of people together. That's really, I mean, that's really what it's about. It's about knowing the right people and, um, you know, and being able to put a successful project together. Yeah, yeah. And and what's your take on? Special effects. I get a I get a sense that uh, you're not a guy that would be really big on on CGI. You seem to me to be like like really old school. I mean, yeah. I mean, the one thing about special effects, though, is it does. I mean, there are, there are a lot of positives about special effects because you know doing you know pyrotechnics can be very cost um, not very cost effective. Um, you know, and there there's times where you have to you know erase things in frame. And there's also times where you have to do like you know digital bullets and digital fire and you know um, you know making a scene you know cloudy when it was sunny out to you know be similar to the other footage. Yeah, that's 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 correct. I mean, sometimes it helps. Sometimes it. I don't know. In some cases, I think it's some of that stuff is is really is really overblown. So I just want to kind of jump back into the technical world again. So what's your uh, equipment? Is this going to be uh, digital? It's going to be shot on the red? It's going to be, what are some of the cameras you're going to use and things like that? Well, I mean, I've got two Canon Rebel P3Is, um, and, you know, and I have uh, prime lenses. And what I like about prime lenses is that it just has that, really sharp cinematic look on screen and you're able to focus and do shot refocus shots. And I, I mean, zoom lenses I like too, the ones that have a fixed f-stop so you can do like, you know, these really crazy shots. You know, I have a dolly track um, and um, I have, you know, sound equipment that's broadcast grade. I mean, because at the end of the day when you do a film, I mean, you know, the actors, um, the, the acting has to be fantastic, the crew has to be fantastic. Um, but, you know, it's all about the look on screen and how it sounds. That's the look and sound sweet. Yeah, and then uh, as far as editing, what's some of the, the packages you use for that? Are you an Adobe guy? Um, You know, I, I have Final Cut right now, but I am moving slowly to Adobe. Um, and uh, but usually I do edit all my own stuff, but... Um, you know, I think for green, I'm probably going to hire just so that, um, you know, everything can just be a little sharper. Yeah, yeah. So tell me some, I don't, I don't really want to say horror stories, but some of the challenges you've had in the past when you've uh, been on set, uh, things like, I know I did a 48-hour deal one time in the, they could not figure out why the sound was wrong, and the guy had plugged in the wrong uh, wire into a, a port and things like that. So what's some of the some interesting uh, challenges you've had while while filming in the past? I mean, you know, a lot of, like, lighting is one issue I've had, you know, because sometimes, you know, um, you know, sometimes there's a lighting, you know, sometimes you get too much sunlight and you have to block it out. Sometimes, you know, um, there's been, you know, camera failure at the um, most inopportune time. Um, you know, there's also uh, times, you know, where audio wires, um, you know, uh, wear out. Um, and, you know, it's just the important thing is just to keep your composure. It's keep your composure. Um, and uh, it's... Um, you know, because you don't want to, you don't want to get too frustrated with problems. It's all about you know just taking a deep breath and just finding the best way to fix the problem. And usually, when you have you know experienced people on set, usually there's no, usually there's minimal to no problems. Yeah. And how are you about takes? I know some directors like 
very few takes, some like a lot of takes. How is uh, what's your approach? I mean, you know, tape is good because um, you know you, you can actually, you know, you know, store it, you know, keep it, and I always have a backup source in case the hard drive goes out. But the problem with tape is you have to encode it minute by minute by minute by minute. With with SD card or CF card, you um, have to um, you know you can encode it much quicker. They're still there? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay, folks. So I just want to remind everybody once again that uh, we can be reached if you want to ask a question or if you want to pledge to this film, Greed, uh, 347-347. 884 
there's a scene in the film, you know, where the private investigator and Leslie are talking in like a very, you know, like a very, like, you know, remote area, and that's going to be in a wooded area, you know, and there's going to be car scenes, you know, driving scenes on the street, um, and, um, you know, there's going to be scenes like entering buildings and all that. There's going to be a scene in a dark alley. There's going to be scenes outside of the house. Um, you know, it, 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 it's very rich as far as, you know. And About how long do you think the film will be? Um, I mean, I would say between 40 and 50 minutes. I mean, it's a 36-page script, but, you know, you never know, like, how long a um, a film is going to be um, until you get into the cutting room and you edit it. Hmm. So you're not really wedded into uh, having something that's feature length. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, greed is more of like a moderate. It's like a mix between a feature and a short. You know, it's really kind of pushing the boundaries between the two. So you know, at the end of the day, if it's a feature, then you know, it is what it is. You know, it's all about making sure the film is great and everything's good to go. That's true. Okay, folks, so we're coming down to uh, the uh, near the end of the hour, but we still have time. We still have time, folks. So here's what I want you to do, all my listeners out there. I want you to dial in 347884-8997. That's 347884-8997. If you have a, a question or if you just want to offer some more Moral support for this this film. I think this is going to be a success. It's a very very old school film. So, Richard, yeah. So I watched your uh, your little your, your promo on there on the on the Go GoFundMe page, and it seemed like it's you did a good job with with black and white. So, what's some of the oh, I guess the advantages of, of black and white as it pertains to storytelling. Do you think it, it, it evokes different emotions, different moods? Talk a little bit about uh, the strength of black and white. I mean, you, you kind of hit the nail right on the head right there. It does that, but it also gives you a lot of freedom to play with lighting schemes, you know, do um, hard lighting and soft lighting and really... And it really gives you a lot of flexibility as far as, like, doing, you know, irony and, um, you know, evoking emotions and um, building suspense up in a scene. You know, you look at you know, Psycho, that was done um, in black and white, and that, was, that, that really evoked the suspense, like the shower scene. And then, you know, the movie that just came out, The Artist, that one, the silence on that one best picture. They did such a, a great job with black and white, like making everything shadowy and stuff. I mean, you can do that in color, but it doesn't look as powerful on screen as it does with black and white. Hmm. Yeah, I was watching, uh, what was it, uh, Scorsese, Raging Bull, and it's just very, I don't know what it was about that. It's very, very powerful, especially some of the fight scenes. And even some of the dramatic scenes of uh, De Niro and Pesci is just very. I can't quite put my 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 finger on it. Just very. God, it, it seemed like there was just a lot of connection between the actors, and it just had a very a different vibe than color. And this, for me as a viewer, it didn't make me. I guess, for lack of a better term, I guess focus. I guess focus more. I wasn't distracted by color and vibrancy and all this kind of thing. It's uh it is kind of a different mood. So Richard, I guess we're coming up here on the last ten minutes here. So I think we've um done a good job uh covering greed. So is there a would you consider yourself an old soul? I mean is it is this something we're gonna see throughout your career you're gonna be doing films that are more or less focused on I guess I guess rooted in the kind of like 40s, 50s, 60s, that kind of thing. I mean, I mean, honestly, it really kind of depends on what I write, you know. Um, but you know, it's kind of interesting you mention old soul because you know I I do a lot of films with traditional cinematic techniques. You know, I I think that's the best way to do films that'll get people in the seat. You know, because that was the golden age of cinema. That's when people really 
came in to see new stories and new heroes, new anti-heroes. And um, I think that continuing that trend is going to get a lot of people really interested in these types of films. Hmm. You talked about the golden age of cinema. Talk about, and and really, really come up with a good list. What's, in your opinion, is uh, uh, the top, I guess the top five films every every young filmmaker should see? Um, I think one film, I mean, as far as top ten, I think Citizen Kane is definitely one. Um, you know, because, I mean, Orson Welles did such a great job of that. Um, I think that um, Raiders of the Lost are Star Wars, Jaws, Psycho, The Birds, um, you know, Lawrence of Arabia, um, From Rush With Love. Um, another film I like that a lot of people don't talk about is Marnie that stars Sean Connery and Tiffany Edgum. Um, yeah. And um, another one that I would say, um, The Shining, done by Stanley Kubrick, because that has... Every that that's one of the perfect examples of a suspense film, a great story and great cast. Yeah, yeah, based uh, on the writings of uh, King. What's some of the some of your favorite directors uh, in the game today in Hollywood? I mean, I really like um, Christopher Nolan. Um, I thought he did a great job with the Batman films, but one of one of my favorite films of his is Memento. I mean, that was a film that was shot backwards, and that was really a great, effective story there. I mean, obviously, Steven Spielberg is still uh, filming. Um, I like Clint Eastwood a lot. I think he's one of the most underrated directors, you know, as far as um, yeah. I really liked uh, Gran Torino, and I thought that American Sniper was fantastic. I have not seen it yet. I plan to see that one. I mean, yeah, Riley Cooper was really a fantastic actor in that film, um, and I just felt like police would really portray, you know, the effects of uh, post-traumatic stress disorder on... Oh, yeah. Yeah, Clint's one of my favorites. He's very good at... Uh, he does a trick. I know he did a trick with um, Angelina Jolie that where he, he'll have the actor rehearse in front of the camera a couple of times, and then he'll... It's kind of like a stealth tape. He'll stealth record, and it kind of knocks the nervousness out of him. And he's just very, very no-nonsense. I heard that uh, if it's a focus and the lines are set correctly, it's like, you know, he cuts it, prints it, and this this moves on. I think Clint, Clint has that very, uh, the blue-collar, old-fashioned uh, work ethic. Another thing I like about him as a director, it seems like he's very prolific. And I think, you know, he was coming up in the 50s, and a lot of those directors he worked with, like William Wilman in the 30s, they would crank out like two or three films a year, and that that's one thing I like is that he's prolific. A lot of your your directors now they'll uh, they might have a, you know a blockbuster film every two or three years, but uh, but Eastwood is uh, he's got that uh, he has a different different approach. You know, he'll come out with like a couple films a year. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, um, I, I, I look forward to whatever film he does uh, next, and um, I'm sure it's going to be great. Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, folks, so we're coming up on uh, about uh, a little bit over five minutes left here. So, once again, uh, there's uh, anybody who wants to call in, ask a question, or pledge, we are at three four seven eight eight four eight nine nine seven, and you can go to the the, the fundraising page uh, www.gofundme.com forward slash cbqi5k. That's cbqi5k. So Richard, so I had to ask you. Back when you were starting out, is there was there a point at which you hit a fork in the road and you decided to that you were going to be a behind the camera rather than in front of the camera? What what ultimately made you decide that you'd be better off behind the camera? 
Well, I mean, it was really in, in college, my freshman year. I actually, you know, it's funny, you know, I, I was actually declaring to be a history teacher. And, um, you know, I took history courses, um, you know, and then that's one of the reasons why I went to college in D.C. because I wanted to teach history in D.C. But, you know, a lot of people in my uh, dorm room saw my World War II film, and they said, you need to be a filmmaker. And, you know, I kind of put that in the back of my mind. And then, you know, I did um, a um, – a film for the dorm freshman year, and I was like, yeah, this is a lot of fun. So I changed my major from history to film my second semester of freshman year, and I haven't looked back. Hmm. Well, you know, that's, that's the college years. That's, that's a good time to to explore, and then you don't want to, definitely don't want to regret uh, that you didn't uh kind of pursue your dreams and, and go the way that your your talent uh, was definitely definitely pushing you. Okay, so we're getting down to a few minutes here. And I uh, just wanted to talk a little bit about... Um, now, I know that you mentioned that you had several uh, projects coming up in the future. So you also talked about the importance of filmmakers having a plan. So uh, let's... I don't know if you've planned this far out, but like 18 months, uh, a couple years from now, what are some projects that uh, we're going to see from, hopefully see from uh, Richard Brown that's going to be out there? Well, I mean, Greed obviously being one of them. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm also getting, you know, um, a demand from a lot of people to do a spy film. So, uh, you know, I have a spy script that I'm in development of, and uh, I think that's probably going to be the next one up uh, after Green is done, and then um, really, um, then I'm going to start getting going on my World War II film. I think that's uh, going to be the next really big project um, following uh, Green and the spy film. Hmm. And then are these going to be? Uh, so okay, I think we discussed earlier. So you're not really wedded in, into necessarily uh, time limit, like uh, you know where it's going to be feature length. So. Now, as you develop these, I mean, is the possibility that some of them, are you set on them being films, or could they be web series, or you're flexible, or what? I mean, Greed is going to be a film. Um, you know, it's uh, the only web series I have in mind, like we talked about earlier, is the Mafia web series, because that plot is so dense and so long that it would have to be broken up into episodes. Yeah. Yeah, that, that that lends itself to a uh, a web series. What's your opinion of the the proliferation of uh, of web series? I know there's a lot of web series on YouTube, and and I think there might be. I'm, I'm sure there's some on uh, Vimeo as well. So what uh, what's your take on that? Do you think there's like an oversaturation? Um, you know, I don't think so. I mean, you know, the, the important thing is to get your product out there. I mean, you know, there, there's some there's some people that put their web series out on YouTube an episode at a time, and then, you know, it gets a lot of views, and then people really start, you know, demanding, you know, to want more. You know, and now Amazon all of a sudden is starting to do web series, and um, you know, there's people that, you know, that do web series on Vimeo and get popular. I mean, it opens yourself to exposure, and then you get somebody that wants to invest, and then that's really when, you know, things really start picking up. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Like you say, it's just uh, really important to – and you mentioned City of Lost uh, Souls before I talked to uh, Jason Boston, the director there, and so he's saying that uh, – you know, he hadn't really decided. I mean, it could be uh, something where – that could be a series, it could be on Netflix, it could be on Hulu, it could be... And it really came across like a really good series. And it's like, it's the, the great thing now. There's just so many so many venues for for work for, uh, for young filmmakers. Okay, so we're just about at, a, at the hour, but we can, uh, can hang on here a couple extra minutes. If you will, so I'm just going to wrap up with this. A few more questions here. So for greed, now what's your take on uh, movie premieres? So you know, look in the in the future. Let's let's speak this thing into existence. So when greed premieres, 
what's going to be your take on that? Would you like uh, have a maybe a, a more moderate sized venue, or would you be at maybe AFI Silver or somewhere like that, or how do you see that? I mean, I definitely want to have a premiere, that's for sure. I mean, I've had a lot of luck with the Tacoma Community Center, but the AFI Theater is fantastic. I definitely want to have a, you know, a, a relatively large premiere because a lot of people are looking forward to this film. A lot of people have been asking me about this film. A lot of people have been started really liking the Facebook page and complimenting me. And, um, you know, everyone's just, there's, there's, there's a really a growing excitement about this film. And um, I feel like, you know, there's going to be a lot of people that want to see it, and so you're going to need a large venue for that. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's great. Okay, so I've mentioned uh, several times the, uh, the GoFundMe page. So I think you have uh, a Twitter page as well for the film. So, uh I guess we're going to wrap up here, Richard, and uh, so you can put out the, any other things we should know about the film, other than a Twitter page, Instagram page, anything else you want uh, our listeners to know, anything at all? Well, there is a Facebook page, and I'm in the process of doing a Twitter page. Um, but um, right now we have three days left to go on selling Greed T-shirts, and you can find those Greed T-shirts on Booster.com, all you got to do is just search for Greed Film Noir Project. Film Noir Project T-shirt. Three days to go. Okay. All right. That's that's very good. Okay, Richard. Uh, so I think we're just about at the end here. And uh, we've had a real good hour. We've had a real good hour. And uh, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll uh, see if we can... Just hang on, just maybe a couple more minutes. Just let me make just one more appeal uh, before I let you go. So, folks, uh, again, we're three four seven eight eight four eight nine nine seven. You can call and ask a question. So, uh, Richard, I think we got a couple more minutes, and so I just wanted to let's see if we can uh, can wrap up here with just. Uh, couple more good questions to see if we can really uh, squeeze as much as we can out of the, the hour here. So you said that a lot of people have uh, have inquired about the, the film. So uh, have you gotten any nibbles at all from uh, distributors or people that run festivals or, or any of those bigwigs? Um, I mean, I haven't really received anything yet, but I think we'll probably start receiving um, more buzz like that, I think, once the film reaches completion and we have another trailer out. Okay, and then when's the, when's the next trailer going to come out? Um, we'll probably have another trailer out, probably. I mean, we're probably going to wrap principal photography around late June, so we'll probably have a trailer out probably sometime by um, October. Okay. Okay, and then you're looking at the release date of when? Probably sometime around mid to late December. Okay, very good, very good. Okay, Richard, well, you know, it's been a pleasure. I really uh, wish you much success with the film. I think that uh, you have a lot of good ideas. I know you're going to have a lot of uh, great output and uh, a lot of great projects. All right, thank you for having me. Okay. All right, well, thank you, and uh, have a great night. All right, see you. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, everybody, uh, I just want to leave you this quote from uh, Mark Twain. And Mark Twain said that uh, 20 years from now, you will be more disappointed by the things you didn't do than the things you did do. So throw off the bowlines, sail away from the safe harbor, catch the trade winds, explore, dream, and discover. Good night. <laughs>